Hello once again, fight fans, and welcome to episode number 307 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and of course, the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you are watching me live right now. This is TNC 307 for the week of April 2nd. We are through the first quarter of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as always, I remind you guys, please make sure that you're subscribed here to the Ring Digital, that you click that notification bell so you never miss a live video. But also, I remind you to go check out my website, MonteroOnBoxing.com. There, you can uh, check out Montero Unboxing t-shirts if you're interested in ordering one of those, uh, spreading the word about what I do here, uh, of course, with Ring, but also on my personal channel, uh, Montero Unboxing. And if you're looking for me on social media. All you got to do is look for Montero Unboxing. That's my handle everywhere. Last but not least, if you want to check out the audio version of the podcast, that is uh, on podcast platforms around the world. All you got to do is look for Montero Unboxing on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, and you will find me. But yeah, check out my site, man, MonteroUnboxing.com. There you can um, you can pick up an MLB t-shirt, or you could tip the show if you just want to support what we're trying to do here, uh, every single dime that I make from this, I put back into the studio, back into uh, building this thing bigger and better all the time, all right? And I want to thank all of you for tuning into the show, for spreading the word about the show. Um, we're getting more and more uh, coverage on the show all the time, globally too, which is great. I, I love that our audience is from all over the world. As I talk about all the time, you know, the, the audience for this show truly is um, a, a global representation of the sport of boxing, you know, the fan base, which I think is pretty damn cool. So I have you guys to thank for that. Thank you very, very much. Just want to express that gratitude. All right. Uh, we got a few of you in the chat already. Uh, Torian Fox says, hit the likes, you bastards. He's right. <laughs> uh, hit the like button, guys. <laughs> hit that thumbs up, man. Uh, let's get right into news and notes, man. I got a lot of stuff to catch up on. There's actually a lot of news this week. A lot to review. We had a lot of action in the ring last week. Not so much going on this weekend to preview, but not to fear. The schedule's getting better uh, later this month. Uh, we, got, we got some big stuff to look forward to later this month. But first, let's get to this news and notes, man. And um, first and foremost, Devin Haney. It is uh, pretty much official. It's not 100% done, but, I mean, the deal is done. It's just not 100% official, but uh, in terms of the actual fighters and the promoter announcing it, but pretty much a done deal. Devin Haney signing a two-fight deal. Well, actually, a multi-fight deal, I should say. It could be for more than two fights. A multi-fight deal with top rank and Lou DiBella. He's going to fight George Cambosos for the undisputed Lightweight championship of the world. No more talk about email belts and all this kind of stuff. Guys, they're going to fight for all the marbles June 5th in Australia. Technically, it's going to be uh, June 5th over there Sunday. It'll be June 4th here in the USA, in the West. Uh, and here in the USA, will be on ESPN. So this is awesome. It's just, this is a great consolation prize because the, the fight that we were supposed to get was Vasil Lomachenko going to Australia. He was going to fight George Cambosos. That fight was done, okay? And I've been telling you guys forever, that's what was going to happen. Of course, Lomachenko has decided to stay over in Ukraine and continue to help uh, his, his countrymen with the situation going on over there. So instead, 
Devin Haney stepping up to the plate and taking this fight. Um, really, I, I got to say this. Devin Haney, <clears throat> I, I've been critical of Devin Haney to a certain extent on my show and on Twitter. I've taken heat for that because he has protectors out there. Um, but this is these are big boy moves here. These are grown-ass man moves. And, and I got to say this. Devin Haney, apparently, so there's a rematch clause with this uh, deal that goes one way. If George Cambosos beats Devin Haney, no rematch, as far as I understand it. But if Devin Haney wins, they have to do a rematch, and the rematch is also going to be in Australia. So essentially, what Devin Haney has agreed to is to fight George Cambosos twice in Australia, and to get this done, he had to make concessions. Him and his team had to kind of bite the bullet, make a deal with the devil, make a deal with a, a couple devils, and uh, take less money than they had hoped for up front and go do this. And essentially what they're saying is they're confident that they can beat Cambosos not once, but twice and both times in Australia. That is grown-ass man shit. And Devin Haney and his team deserve credit. And I got to say this, this one move, this one play of chess from Devin Haney and his team usurps Gervonta Davis and Ryan Garcia's entire career thus far. Yeah, I want to say it. Neither of those two have done anything remotely close to what Devin Haney just did here. Now, I understand there are people out there in the Twitter sphere, boxing industry saying, well, look, he didn't really have a choice. It was either because to be clear, okay, Matchroom, Eddie Hearn, DAZN, they were kind of done with Devin Haney. They spent a boatload of money on him, lost a ton of money because the guy doesn't sell tickets, couldn't get big fights for him because all the fighters uh, in and around 135, they're mostly over with top rank, but they're in a couple other stables, but most of the juice really from 130, 135, 140, that's all top rank. So uh, they couldn't secure those big fights for whatever reason. We could argue and debate that for hours, right? But for whatever reason, they weren't able to get those big fights for Haney. Uh, maybe Haney could have made it easier for them to get those fights. Maybe not. Whatever. Didn't happen. So Haney's made millions of dollars with that deal. Uh, Eddie was done. Their, their deal was over. And by the way, I think... Um, Demetrius Andre, there's one more fight left. There's a fight coming up uh, against, uh, Jesus, I can't even think of the guy's name uh, off the top of my head. But his, his last fight is coming up with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom as well. So Demetrius Andre will be a free agent soon. But Devin Haney was in a position where he kind of had to make this deal. I understand that, guys. But he could have walked. He could have said, nah, I don't want to do this. I'm going to go sign with PBC and fight nobody's like Javante Davis. He could have did that. He didn't. He made this deal, and so he deserves tremendous credit for that. Now, I have to address this. I'm going to share my screen because I tweeted about this over the weekend, and I complimented Dave, uh, Devin Haney, but I also mentioned the fact that he's kind of had it his way thus far in his career. And I use the word he's had it all his way. Perhaps I should have said he's had it mostly his way. Perhaps I could have changed a word or so in my tweet. But some people were really deeply offended by my tweet, of course. And there are some people out there that I think feel the need to protect Evan Haney and other fighters. Um, all, it just goes in all directions, of course. But uh, I want to bring up one in particular here. So I'm going to share my screen. I just want to show you guys this tweet 
um, that I tweet. I posted this what yesterday, so I posted this on Sunday. And uh, for you guys on the audio, I'll read the tweet out loud. Okay, uh, basically, I retweeted Devin Haney because Devin Haney tweeted on Saturday, undisputed June fifth. Right, that's what he said, and that's basically him announcing it. Right. So um, I, I haven't seen anything from top rank quite yet, but when the fighter's talking about it, it's done, right? That, that's why I feel that I can talk about this now. Anyway, I retweeted that with a quote. I said, let's give Haney and his team credit for doing what they had to do to get this fight. He's had it all his way for his entire career this far, but they made concessions to get this deal done. Props. Now, most people got what I was saying. And again, I could have chose my words a little better. It's, it's freaking Twitter, guys. Um, but Adam Abramovitz, who, who I like, I like Adam and I respect Adam and his work in the boxing media, but he is one of those guys that I think tends to get a little protective of certain fighters. He responds, and I'm going to read this, uh, uh, word for word. I don't see where he's had it all his way this far. I think he meant thus far. He wanted Lomachenko, didn't get it. Had a couple of fights fall through last year, still beat two solid lightweights. I don't understand that perspective. Um, so a couple of guys responded to Adam agreeing, a couple responded disagreeing. Okay. I told Adam, look, I, I'm not going to address this on Twitter because um, the, the back and forth on Twitter, it's just not worth it. Character limit, all that good stuff. But I wanted to address this point because there, Adam wasn't the only guy that bothered by my tweet and my wording. And again, I could have chose my words a little better. Again, instead of using the word all, I should have said mostly, something like that. But uh, some people are kind of adding their own context to this and taking it the comp- just the wrong way. And, you know, you know, guys, you get how it is. That's Twitter for you. So let me address this head on. Here's what I meant by having it um, mostly his way. Let's just say that in his career. And by the way, I don't blame Devin Haney for this. None of this is like I'm, I'm putting this on Haney himself. It's more the system. OK, but again, there's a freaking character limit on Twitter, guys. So. Here's what I'm talking about, all right? Um, Pretty much, well, I'll just say many of Devin Haney's opponents thus far have been smaller guys moving up or older faded guys, including some of the guys Adam uh, hinted at in his tweet. Let's start with uh, probably his first test, Juan Carlos Burgos. That was like Haney's first test, right? Juan Carlos Burgos, former featherweight who had moved up two divisions. He's also one, three, and one since the Haney fight in 2018. By the way, that fight went to distance. It was UD12, right? So if you include the Haney fight, then Burgos is 1-4-1 in in his last six. Okay, so smaller, faded guy who has not fared well at all since he fought Haney. Let's continue. Yoriokas Gamboa. Do you really need to go into details there? We know where he started and moved up and all the guys he's fought. Devin Haney fought him. Apparently. Based on reports that were out there, Devin Haney got $2 million to fight Yoriokas Gamboa. $2 million. He fought Jorge Linares for $3 million. That's what was reported. Now, who the hell knows with some of these figures, but that's what was reported, that he got $3 million for Jorge Linares. Jorge Linares, in his prime, at one point was the best lightweight in the world. He was well past that point when Devin Haney fought him. And again, none of this is Devin Haney's fault. Well, not 100%. There might be a little bit of fault there. But none of this, I'm not putting this on Devin Haney. Okay, I want I want to be clear about this. But Jorge Linares has been not only beat, but stopped, as in knocked out, in three of his last seven fights. Jorge Linares, of course, started 
lower on the weight scale, moved up. I've been that lightweight for a long, long time. So we'll call him a legitimate lightweight. But he's been stopped multiple times, nowhere near his prime, well faded. And what happened in his very next fights after fighting Devin Haney? How do you look in those fights? Uh, he was actually winning his last fight for, for the most part until he got stopped. But he's been stopped, knocked out in three of his last seven fights. All right, so that puts that in perspective. Now let's talk about Devin Haney's best win to date. That is Joseph Diaz, right? Joseph Diaz, obviously a former featherweight back in the Olympics and the amateurs. He was a bantamweight. So this is a guy who had average power at featherweight, has below average power at 135. Very good technical fighter. Uh, will give any lightweight in the world a tough fight. But you guys, look at all the other top uh, lightweights. Ryan Garcia, um, Vasily Lomachenko, Tiafima Lopez, uh, who am I forgetting here, Javante Davis, and others. Would you favor Joseph Diaz to beat any of them? No. In fact, some of, several of those guys actually probably stopped Diaz, okay? so But let's keep going with this. Um, who, who did, Jorge, or who did uh, Devin Haney beat to get his quote-unquote world championship belt? He beat Zaur Abdulayev. Okay, Abdulayev, sorry. Zaur Abdulayev for the WBC interim belt back in September of 2019. Lomachenko had just beat Luke Campbell one month prior, not even a full month prior, for the unified championship that included the WBC. But the, the WBC and their infinite wisdom, wisdom, just weeks after Lomachenko had already fought for their real title, decides to sanction an interim title. Why? I don't know. Because the WBC seems to be all in on the Devin Haney business, okay? There's a connection there, and they're working together. Good for them. But it really doesn't make that much sense, and this is something the WBA pulls all the time, for the WBC to sanction a fight for their interim belt, weeks, literally weeks, not even a full month, after Lomachenko had beat Luke Campbell for that belt and others. There was no need to do that. They did that because it was a business move. Again, there are relationships there. I'm not going to get into all that. It could take hours to freaking explain it all. I could talk about the email belt and all that kind of stuff and the franchise belt. You guys know the situation there. I'm not going to get into all that. But there have been other fighters in recent years that were in similar situations to where Haney was who did not get that kind of preferential treatment from the WBC, the WBA, and others. He seemed to be treated very, very well in that situation. Again, I must reiterate, Lomachenko, it's not like he hadn't fought in over a year. It's not like he was injured. Everybody in the industry knew that Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez were going to fight long before Devin Haney ever fought for the interim WBC title. So the treatment that he received from the WBC, to me, comes off a little preferential. It comes off, <clears throat> I'm not going to say pampered, but they treated him pretty well. Kind of rolled out the red carpet for the kid. Um, and in his first defense against Alfredo Santiago, who you haven't heard of him, don't feel bad. Neither have I. He got a million dollars for that. So, so before he had the title, he was getting, I think, about $400,000 a fight. Um, ever since he got the title, he's been getting seven figures. So Devin Haney, relative to what he brings in, as far as the revenue he brings in, as far as the subscribership that he brought into the zone and the tickets he sold at the venues. He's been one of the more overpaid fighters in recent years. And again, I don't blame Devin Haney for this. I'm just speaking about what I was getting to and referring to in my tweet. He's been one of the more overpaid fighters. 
He got preferential treatment from the WBC. He got a title for beating Abdulayev. Okay. When everybody and their mother knew Lomachenko and Tiafima Lopez were going to fight, we knew that the year before. So that's what I'm getting to when I talk about having it his way. I wasn't trying to say that he's spoiled or entitled or this is 100% his fault or anything like that. It's the system. Don't hate the player, hate the game. As far as the moves Devin Haney has made, he's made wonderful moves. His team has done an outstanding job for him. Outstanding. And he is in a position now to where, listen, if, if, if Devin Haney beats George Cambosos June 5th and then they do a rematch later this year, what do you guys think is coming next spring? Uh, hello? Hello? Have you not figured it out? It's going to be Devin Haney and Vasil Lomachenko in Las Vegas on ESPN pay-per-view. Maybe New York, but probably Las Vegas on ESPN pay-per-view. That's where they're going next. If Devin Haney can successfully beat Cambosos twice, and then an older past, you know, probably past his prime and coming off a fucking war layoff, Lomachenko, but still, it's still Lomachenko. If he does those three fights in a row, this guy's on the pound for pound list at that point. And then he dumps those belts and moves up to 140. He still has a relationship with top rank and they have a lot of representation at 140 as well. So he is set up very, very well at that point. So this was a really, really good play by him and his team. All right. Um, so I'm giving credit where credit's due, but I'm also acknowledging the full picture here. And, and for people to take one phrase from my tweet and try to make it something that it wasn't, it's typical. I'm not surprised, but I just felt the need to kind of delve into a little bit. Hopefully I didn't lose all of you um, rambling about that. Um, all right, real quick, let's check some super chats before I get back to news and or notes. Hopefully, guys, am I way off base on that? Let me know. Am I way off base or, or, or do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? All right, Aaron with the super chat. Thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate that, brother. He says, "Yo, Mike, everybody, duck and boo boo. We all, y'all know it. Boo boo is just too handsome for everyone from one fifty four to one seventy five. Hey, we'll find out. Because guess what? After this next fight, there is no way in hell that I expect Matchroom to resign him. I don't think the zone wants anything to do with him." Um, there are very few places he can go, but if I'm Andre and I'm looking at 160, 168, uh, he don't want no work at 175. Um, that's PBC, you know, um, it, it's clear that Golovkin really wants nothing to do with him. I kind of don't blame Golovkin or the zone, uh, cause they have, uh, other options that bring a lot more money to the table. If I'm, if I'm boo-boo, I'm going to PBC. And at that point, we'll have plenty of fights there. Right. The Charlo fight's easy to make at that point. He can move up to 68. There's several guys there that he can fight. So we're going to find out what Boo Boo's made of. We're going to find out. All right. Uh, super chat from Sam A. Thank you so much, Sam. Appreciate it, brother. He says Cambosos split decision 12 over Selby, October 30th, 2020. Saturday, Gustavo Lemos destroyed Selby, TKO5 in Argentina. First time Selby was stopped. Dude looked good, 28 and 0, 18 knockouts. Yeah, I remember that fight with Cambosos and Selby. He, um, he, I think he had two split decisions in a row, but they were both on the road. Tough fights for Cambosos, but they built him up and helped give him confidence going into that fight with Lopez. Gustavo Lemos, huh? Let's look this kid up. 
I saw that Selby was fighting this weekend, but I, I, I have to admit, I did not pay too much attention to it. Gustavo Daniel Lemos, who is uh, the electrician out of Argentina, TKO5 win over Lee Selby. That is an impressive win, man. It's in Argentina. He's only fought in Argentina. 20, you know, 18 knockouts. This was his first big step up. And this was at lightweight. Uh, Lemos has fought at like 140. Uh, that's interesting, man. That's interesting. But, you know, I will say uh, Selby coming off that layoff, you know, he hadn't fought in a year and a half. Maybe that had something to do with it. But good shout, dude. That's definitely someone we should keep an eye on. That's an impressive performance for that kid. All right. Let's get back to this, uh, to these news and notes. All right. Uh, I, I mentioned before uh, Lobachenko, he's staying in Ukraine and he's made that decision. Um, I think there's several reasons why he's making this decision. I let, well, let me, let me also talk about uh, Alexander Usyk, who has decided he is leaving Ukraine to start training for his rematch with Anthony Joshua. I understand why both of these guys have made these decisions. What's interesting to me is um, how some people are talking about this in the boxing community, uh, particularly Twitter and YouTube, where whack jobs live. But um, first of all, I see people saying, Lomachenko, well, who cares? He's not in the trenches. He's not in the front lines. And then I see people saying, he was in Greece when this whole thing started. Let me just clear a few things up. Um, he, he, he moved his family to Greece, as I understand it, and got them out of harm's way. Then he went to Ukraine. So he was a few days late after the first bombs dropped. He's been there ever since, guys. So for any of you out there, and I've seen some of you criticizing him for going to Greece first and then going to Ukraine, uh, that's insane. And most of the people criticizing Lomachenko have never served in the military, really have no room to talk. And then people say, well, he's not in the trenches. This is just a PR stunt. Listen, man, there's a lot of different ways he can help over there. He's a celebrity over there, okay? Just like the Klitschko brothers and other uh, Ukrainian boxers. So they don't have to be on the front lines necessarily to be making a difference. The fact that this dude decided, I'm going to turn down millions of dollars and I'm going to stay here in Ukraine and help the situation out here, whether it's through outright military action, shooting at Russians or doing some other things behind the scenes, whether he's in the trenches or not, probably a little bit of all the above, honestly, he's probably doing a little bit of everything. That's what the Klitschko's are doing. Um, who gives a shit? Like most people wouldn't do what he's doing right now. And I think he deserves credit. Now at the same time, Usyk, him leaving, he go, Oh, what a coward. What a pussy. He couldn't take it. He's going to go for guys. I, I mean, it's just, it's really funny the way boxing fans are, man. The most fickle people on earth, man. So here's the big difference. Okay. Lomachenko is in a position with top rank where uh, what did I talk about just a minute ago, Haney and Cambosos are going to fight twice. No doubt people at top rank have been talking to uh, Lomachenko and they said, look, stay there, do what you got to do. Take care of your people, take care of your family, et cetera, et cetera. These two guys are going to fight for all the belts. You're going to fight for the undisputed championship next year. Boom. So basically Lomachenko is going to do what he's got to do now, maybe do an interim fight at the end of this year, beginning of next year. And then fight for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. Boom. So, so it, it's a win-win over there. Now, as far as Usyk goes, he is contractually mandated, obligated to do a rematch 
with Anthony Joshua. I know he's at war, but you know how ugly these things can get. So if Usyk were to stay over in Ukraine, who's to say one of these sanctioning organizations, or maybe even more than one, might strip him, might put up an interim belt, right? One of those situations, I just talked about what happened with Lomachenko and Haney and the WBC and that insanity a couple of years back. We could see something like that happen to Oleksandr Usyk right now. So I understand why him and his team have made the decision, let's go do this rematch. Let's knock this shit out. So I'm good with both of these guys making these decisions. And I don't understand why people are criticizing them, especially people who have never, ever served in the military and served their country, let alone serve their own damn community or probably not even their damn family. Most of you fools are sitting in your mama's basement watching TV, chatting on Twitter, hating on everybody. Come on, man. Grow the fuck up. All right. Speaking of grow the fuck up, Teofimo Lopez. His, he's losing his mind over the loss to George Cambosos. Um, I'm not going to go into the word for word, what he said and everything, but basically there was an interview uh, with, with uh, one of these YouTube channels wh where uh, TFMO basically said uh, this whole thing, he was asked about the Devin Haney, George Cambosos fight. He said, oh, this is a setup for Haney to win. They set this up from the jump. Haney and his people didn't want me. Um, so, so top rank made sure Cambosos won so that they could match him with Haney and get Haney the belt, the belts, et cetera, et cetera. That's, he kind of just played out this conspiracy theory. It was very Deontay Wilder-esque. It was the 2022 version of Glovegate. I don't know what it is about fighters, particularly American fighters. This is almost, this is almost limited strictly to American fighters. They take that first L. And especially if that L comes to, I, oh, I'm going to take heat for this, but I, I, I've seen a pattern. If it comes to a pale skinned person from outside of America, I'll stop right there. Um, they seem to lose their fucking mind. Deontay Wilder and now Tiafima Lopez. And there's other ones I could point to in recent years. I don't know what it is. But losing to a guy who's foreign or, or, you know, not American, he's not one of us. I don't know what it is. But why can't you just give the, the dude his props and just say you lost and just get better from it? I mean, unlike Wilder's losses to Fury where he was flattened, he was dominated. Lopez actually, you know, hurt Cambosos late in their fight and made it close and interesting. And like, I would actually probably favor Lopez in a rematch if he could make 135 in a healthy way. Um, I don't know if I do that a hundred percent. I'm just saying I would perhaps favor him. Okay. Uh, that's how close it was, but for, he just seems to have lost his mind. And now he's got an injured hand. There's no fight scheduled. I don't know. Apparently he's moving to 140, but nothing official has been announced. He just seems to have lost his damn mind. And it's like, dude, it was just one loss, but uh, you know, I, I blame the fans somewhat in this, especially American fans, because you guys, some of you out there trip over one damn loss, and it's not that big of a deal. In fact, there are many fighters out there, a couple early losses in their career makes them better, and they end up being great fighters, dude. So um, I don't know, but I, I've just noticed there, there's something going on there with Tiafima Lopez, who I like. I'm a fan of his. I think he's an exciting, fun fighter to watch. But, man, somebody's got to talk to this kid. 
and get him away from some of the people he's got surrounding him or something because he's not handling that loss well. And we saw Wilder didn't handle his loss to Fury very well, and we saw what happened in that third fight. Wilder had a moment, but that's just because Fury wasn't 100%. He was coming off COVID. He had ballooned up in weight again, and he fucked up. Uh, but Wilder wasn't able to close the show, and we saw how that fight ended. So, uh, look, Tiafima Lopez, much better fighter than Deontay Wilder. He's got a bright career in front of him. But th this is a mental game, man. Someone's got to talk to this kid. All right. One last item here, uh, news and notes related. Gervonta Davis, apparently his contract with Floyd Mayweather is ending soon. So you guys have seen some back and forth between Gervonta Davis and Floyd Mayweather. I was originally going to do this long spiel talking about this, but I think they're grifting us. I think this is all bullshit. I, I just, I cannot see Gervonta Davis in the end walking away from Floyd Mayweather, uh, walking away from Al Heyman, PBC, Showtime, that entire crew. Don't see it happening. As I mentioned earlier on to, in this show, all the juice at 135 and 140, which is where Tank is going to be in the next several years, all that's at top rank. Do you guys see Javante Davis signing with top rank? I mean, it'd be, it'd be hilarious. It'd be amazing. It's not going to happen. All the things that have been said to Tank Davis in private off the record about Bob Arum by the people around him in recent years, the dude probably hates Aram. He's never even met him. I don't know if he's met him or not, but you get what I'm saying. Um, they, he just, they've been implanting all sorts of stuff into his head uh, about that. He, he's probably going to resign and stay with Floyd and PBC. And this is all just a way of promoting his dog shit fight. That's on pay-per-view against Raleigh Romero. That's the way I see it right now. I'd like, to be, I'd, I'd like to be proven wrong. I'd like to see Javante Davis maybe really challenge himself and sign with a top rank or a match room or somebody like that that's going to get him some fights. Um, in this case, it'd have to be top rank, though, right? Uh, as I mentioned, because all the fighters are there. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Just at this point, I think they're grifting us, man. I think that um, I think they're trying to just promote their fight. All right, let's get to this fight review. Much to discuss, much to discuss. Um, let me see, make sure <laughs> you guys in the chat, man. You guys in the chat are hilarious. <clears throat> I want to read this one by Nacho because I do think it's a good point. I forgot to bring up. So thank you, Nacho. He says, uh, Mike, I think Tio's soon-to-be ex-wife is the one that fucked his head up mentally. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I forgot to, to mention that. And that's a good one. That's a that's a real good point, man. <clears throat> because there's definitely some trouble going on there. His family was right advising against that whole thing, but oh, we got a good one here from uh from Goose. Goose says, um, why won't this show up? Boom. There we go. Will Smith is ranked number two in the WBO. Ha! Guys, you know what? <laughs> I should show this. I should share my screen again. Because I posted a poll earlier. Um, I, I want to see how many, I want to see how many uh, responses I have in this poll. I posted a poll of um, this the slap heard around the world at the Oscars. By the way, I, I really didn't know it was the freaking Oscars last night. I don't watch that stuff. It's not me hating on Hollywood. Again, some people, oh, why are you going to hate on Hollywood? Why do you have to protect Hollywood? None of those people care about you. And trust me, I lived in that world for a decade. I know people who work 
in very high levels of that industry. I still talk to them all the time. I still dabble in that world. These people don't care about you. Stop protecting them. They deserve criticism. Trust me. They're not good people, at least most of them. Anyway, I tweeted about the slap and I asked people, was this, was that slap when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock? Was that 100% authentically organic and real? Or was it at least partially planned, partially scripted? What's interesting, 1,604 people have voted, and it is a dead heat, 50-50 right now. That's a very interesting uh, poll. So if you guys haven't voted in that, get on that, because it's only for, it's only for one day. Uh, but I'm very curious. Uh, by the time this is done, I'm going to have over 2,000 votes, and it's probably going to be split, man. To me, I saw both these guys kind of smirking when Will walked away. Um, I saw Chris kind of bracing for it before Will even put his hands up. Uh, Will knows how to throw punches. It just, it, the way he slapped him and everything did not look real to me. It looked very feminine. And um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't, I think it was at least, I do think that Will, Will wasn't even pissed because Will actually was laughing at Chris Rock's joke at first. But you looked over at Jada Pinkett. And again, I didn't watch this shit. I just saw it on YouTube today. I didn't even know it happened until you guys told me today on Twitter. Jada looked pissed. And Will was laughing. And Jada runs that household, right? She wears the pants there. She has the balls in the day. She's running that shit. So when Will was chuckling, and looked over and saw Jada uh, kind of la- kind of pissed off, like she really, really upset. Will knew what to do. He said, oh, she's mad now. I need to be mad. And then he walked up there and slapped Chris Rock. Um, it, it just felt forced. And the ratings, I tweeted this today too, the ratings for the Oscars or Academy Awards, whatever you want to call it, they are one-fifth of where they were 20 years ago. One-fifth of where they were 20 years ago, although the country has increased in population by over 60 million. So our country has increased by like, I don't know, 20% or something, yet the ratings are one-fifth of where they were uh, 20 years ago. So that will tell you how desperate these people are to get ratings. So I wouldn't put it past them to um, to pull something like this. Not, not that I'm saying it was completely fake. Uh, there there might have been some realness to it, it just looked a little suspicious. And these are people who are paid to pretend they're somebody else for a living, okay? <clears throat> and to hide, you know, all of the, uh, the child rape going on and things like that. But we'll, we'll leave that out for now. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Focus, Mike. Boxing. All right. Last Saturday, March 26th, we had a lot of different boxing all over the planet. Um, a lot of interesting fights, man. But we also had... I think the knockout of the year. I don't know if this is going to be topped at all. If you haven't seen this, look it up on YouTube. There's clips of it. Christian Mabili, 21 and 0 uh, prospect. And now he, I, I think you could call this guy a contender now at 168 pounds. KO5 win over Najib Mohammedi. This is in Montreal. Uh, Mabili is from France. I think from Cameroon originally, but now fights out of France. And um, this, they fought in Montreal scary knockout dude scary this dude mohammedy was asleep way before he hit the canvas so um huge huge knockout win from abili that really is going to put him on the map it sucks that 
this wasn't aired on you know a network here in the states but people are going to see this knockout and they're going to be curious about seeing him on tv here in america very soon also uh, i found this interesting felix sturm 43 years old he fought in germany and lost what's interesting about felix sturm i don't know why he's still fighting by the way he's made plenty of money over there but his nickname is the fighter right that's his nickname this is a guy who shamelessly ducked gennady golovkin he left germany once fought oscar de la hoya which was very brave it was and many people feel he won that fight and got ripped off i think it was very close um but hit out in germany for the remainder of his career shamelessly ducking eddie golovkin uh, so yeah the fighter i don't know about that nickname man also uh eric morales and orlando salido fought but this was an exhibition fight so no big deal i didn't realize this at first uh these guys had clothes on like like fully clothed they had no headgear but they were fully clothed it was an exhibition fight i want to say six rounds for charity so i actually have no problem with this originally when i saw that eric morales was fighting i was like what who the hell sanctioned this? But when I saw what it was, just an exhibition fight, oh, cool, man. You guys are doing this for charity. You're helping raise money for people. All right, cool. I'm all about it. That's good stuff, man. Also, uh, Marcos Maidana was supposed to fight in Dubai, but it didn't happen. I think there was passport issues with a, a team member or something like that, member of his team. Why the hell would Marcos Maidana be even fighting? I feel like he's had this you know, supposed comeback for like 100 years now. It never happens. He just needs to stay retired and enjoy his life. All right, let's get to the real fights, man. Matru Boxing um, back in uh, Leeds, Yorkshire, England, first direct arena. It was the rematch between Josh Warrington and Kiko Martinez, and Warrington dominates this fight as we all kind of knew he would. Uh, TKO 7 win, um, a lot of headbutts in this fight. I mean, just a lot of headbutts, all pretty much one way. Warrington just butting the shit out of Martinez. Uh, Warrington looked like a, a little miniature Evander Holyfield in there with some of the head work. But he did fight through a broken jaw and apparently a broken hand. So, uh, you know, Warrington's definitely as tough as they come, tough as nails. Martinez, well-fated, passed his best, had a surprise knockout win late last year against Galahad, Kid Galahad, and was kind of the flavor of the month for that. But if we're being honest... You know, Martinez is a guy that's been used a lot and um, well-fated. So this was a pretty easy fight to predict. I didn't anticipate it looking this ugly, but I figured Warrington would win. Now, here's the question. Can we get Lee Wood versus Josh Warrington later this year? Warrington has a bunch of injuries to heal up from, cuts and such. But if he can do that, can we get those two fighting later this year? That would be fun as hell over there in England, if that fight could be made. That's a big fight over there. And just style-wise and the atmosphere, it'd be fun as hell, man. Sign me up if they can do that. All right, uh, here in the United States of America, Top Rank had a card at the Resorts World, Las Vegas. And, of course, this is on ESPN. Jeremiah Nakatila with a upset win. But to me, this was a very minor upset. This wasn't like a massive upset. With a uh, sixth-round retirement win over Miguel Burchelt in a 12-round lightweight fight, he dropped Burchelt in the third round. I talked about this last week during the preview. Uh, yeah, the preview. Uh, Burchelt was coming off that KO-10 loss to As Oscar Valdez last February. Uh, Nakatila had won. Uh, he got back in the win column after his loss to uh, Shakur Stevenson last June. 
Both those fights were at 130. This one was at 135. I got to tell you, Nakatilo looked a lot better at 135 than Burchelt did. Burchelt looked completely shot. So for Nakatila, underrated fighter. I think he's an underrated fighter who gives anybody out there a tough night at the office. Shakur Stevenson pretty much shut him out, uh, You know, dominated their fight. But Stevenson's special. I really think he's starting to hit his groove, and I think he's special. Nakatila, don't underrate this guy. I think that he's a solid fighter. I'm not calling him elite, all right? But he's a solid fighter. But uh, for Bichelt, being shot like this and looking at, you know, he was dropped in this fight against Nakatila, then retired. He was dropped multiple times and then knocked out cold against Valdez. What does this say about Valdez? Because that's Valdez's best win, right? So and remember, I picked Valdez to beat Burchell. All you out there pick Burchell. But I saw something back then. Burchell wanted no part of Jamel Herring. Because Jamel Herring, and we talked about this, me and Jamel. Jamel Herring and his team saw something in Burchelt. All right. So if that's Oscar Valdez's best win, he's going into this fight with Shakur Stevenson. I don't know what that means, man. Um, Stevenson's looking better and better in that fight to me. All right. I've, I've always favored Stevenson to win, but I'm thinking that that fight might turn into a real, real coming out party for Stevenson. Uh, it might even look similar in certain, not a hundred percent, but similar to his fight against Jamel Herring with the level of domination. I'm not 100% there yet, but I'm starting to think that way. We shall see. Uh, later this month, actually, we shall see. All right, uh, but the big one last week was at the Armory in Minneapolis, Minnesota, TGB Promotions, PBC on Showtime. Tim Zhu survives a first-round knockdown to really dominate Terrell Gaucher, uh from the third round on. The second round was close, but from 3 through 12, this was a complete domination. But I guess the judges didn't see that fight because Robert Hecko, who I've never heard of, he's a judge out of Chicago. All three of these judges are out of Chicago. So I guess Minnesota doesn't have judges. I don't know. But uh, Robert Hecko had a 114-113 or seven rounds to five for Zoo. And Patrick Morley had a 115-112 or eight rounds to four for Zoo. Both of those scores are terrible. Terrible because this was a very, very easy fight to score. You obviously, Goucher won the first round. He scored a knockdown, which we'll talk about in a second. Second round was close, swing round could go either way. But three through 12 were clear, clear rounds for Zoo. I don't know how you could give any of them to Goucher, but assuming you gave one of them to him. Okay, if you're crazy, you just thought, ah, Goucher got slightly less beat up in this round. I'll give it to him. That's nine rounds to three. That's the most, the closest you could score this fight. And that's, again, you're giving you're giving a free round to Goucher. You're just giving him a free round. Because three through 12 were clear rounds for Not hard to score. You could be completely new to this sport, and you would know who to score those rounds for. So for these, quote, unquote, professional judges to score it this close even the eight rounds to four card from patrick morley was dog shit now judge bill lurch had at 116 111 which is nine rounds to three i'm gonna give him a pass i'll give him a pass but these other two especially robert hecko it makes it it just makes it feel 
like there was fuckery afoot and they were ready to rob this fucking kid. And several of you out there, Nigel comes to mind. He's the one uh, that I know really, really called this. But several of you said, hey, man, there's probably going to be some fuckery on it. And I, I, I will admit, I was naive. I said, man, the money's with Zoo because, you know, there, there's big potential there. Um, you know, a fight between him and the winner between Charlo Castaño, man, that could be a two, three fight series in America and Australia. I mean, there's potential for big money there. But then you look at these scores, and you're like, God damn, I'm an idiot. And you guys were right on this one because they were really going to try to fuck this kid. How do you give Terrell Goucher four or five rounds in this fight? I don't even agree with three rounds, but four or five, you are smoking crack for real though. Okay. It might even be some other shit that's stronger than crack that I don't even know about that you're smoking because Again, just what I'm not going to get into punch numbers. I'm not going to do it. But just the optics of it, guys, if you've spent five minutes of the ring, if you've sparred one round in your life, you would know who was winning that fight. The people scoring these fights just must not understand the sport of boxing. It was just insane to me. Anyway, this was Zoo's first fight outside of Australia. He has now gone 12 rounds in his last two fights against Goucher. And before this, it was Takashi Inoue. Those are good 24 rounds for him. He didn't have a very long amateur career, about 30 or so amateur fights. He's kind of had it all his way in, um, in Australia, right? Everything's been his way. Red carpet rolled out for him. And, and I understand he's the son of royalty over there. I get it. But a lot of people, particularly here in America, the American boxing media and stuff are saying, oh, this guy, I don't know about him. I think he's a hype job. He was just a fucking prospect coming into this fight. That's the problem right now in our sport. Guys who are really at the prospect level are being seen as contenders. And a lot of times these guys have belts. Devin Haney had a belt to go all the way back full circle to my intro. He had a belt as a prospect, right? It's the era of the prospect champion. Now, Zoo doesn't have a belt, but he's he's a mandatory for the Undisputed Championship. I don't know if he's quite ready for that, right? He needs another one or two fights like this against a Goucher type of guy, maybe Tony Harrison next, somebody like that, to prepare him for the Charlo Castaño winner, particularly if it's Charlo because he's going to be fighting against the system there too. It's not He's not just going to be fighting Charlo. He's going to be fighting the system. It's probably going to be in Vegas. He's going to have to deal with Nevada. So, I mean, all that being said, um, I wasn't surprised at this performance at all. In fact, I was impressed. People are like so, are like, oh my, this guy got dropped. Oh my God, he, he couldn't knock out Goucher. Oh my, this guy's a hype job. What are you talking about? The kid's a prospect. He with this win, he becomes a contender. Now I see Zoo as a legit contender with this win. Okay. But first of all, the 10 to 1 odds, I guess Stephen Bradman Edwards told me that um it was 10 to 1 odds coming into this fight. That was ridiculous. The odds makers were insane. So yeah, if the, I don't know what the over-under was, but holy shit, if you bet the over, you probably could have made some cash this weekend because those odds were terrible. Just way too wide. Way too wide. I told you guys last week, man, Terrell Goucher is a good fighter a former olympian he's been boxing pretty much his whole life he started boxing as a kid right he knows how to handle himself in the ring he might have 
one of the best chins in boxing. To my knowledge, he's never been dropped. He hasn't been stopped. I do know that. Very durable. Takes a good shot. Very hard to hit. Really, really clean. And when you do, he knows how to be responsible and how to cover up and, and all of that. So um, I, I just, I, overall, I was pretty impressed with Zoo. Now, there's a lot to work on. A lot. He does square up too much. He does not jab enough. All right. But I, once he made adjustments, he was catching uh, Goucher's left hook. Boom. Right on. He's catching it. He was even catching right hands. But what he also st started doing, and this was something that I think the Showtime commentary crew kind of missed. The judges sure missed it. He started rolling with uh, Goucher's punches. The right hand, it looked like they were just landing all the time. But if you really, really watched what Zoo was doing, he was a little too squared up for this, but he was right there in front of Goucher. He pushed Goucher back on the ropes and had Goucher upright on his heels, hands up in that high guard. And Goucher is very fast. Bum, bum. He'll come back with a one-two. He'll counter you with a, a straight right, a left hook, whatever. It's very fast. And it looks sharp and impressive to the untrained eye. but since Zoo was kind of in his chest in the one coming forward, he took all the steam off those punches. And what he'd do is just roll back with it. He'd roll back with the right hand and either come with his own looping overhand right to get around Goucher's guard, or he'd get off on an angle to Goucher's left and sneak a right uppercut in. And it worked over and over and over. And I think that the judges looked a little bit too much at the punches Goucher was landing and not enough at the punches Zoo is landing and which were the more effective punches. If you have a guy, again, high guard, Goucher fights out of a very high guard. When you got your hands way up here, high guard, you cannot generate power on your punches. You can't put your back into the shot. You can't put your ass and your legs into the shot, especially if you're up on the ropes on your heels. You're not on the balls of your feet. You're back on your heels. There's no power in those punches. Because Goucher barks you know, when he punches and he's very fast, it looks impressive to the untrained eye. But Zoo, to his credit, made an adjustment. When he got dropped in the first round, that was a nice right hand that dropped him. And he, uh, Goucher was actually able to put some umph into that shot, right? And that's why it had the effect it did. And Zoo was cold and he was tight. You could see he had nerves. But once Zoo made that adjustment, and it took, you know, the second round was close, but by the third round, he had made that adjustment where he was just up in this dude's chest, pushing him back, taking all the steam off the punches, and just rolling downhill on him. It was just the same thing over and over and over. The same sequence kept replaying over and over and over for all the rounds. And it was so clear to me who was winning that fight. Goucher knew. He knew he lost every round of that fight after the second round. So um, it, it just was interesting to me that I don't recall the Showtime commentary crew mentioning those little adjustments Zoo made. I don't think they gave him enough credit for that, and the judges sure missed it. But that was a tactical adjustment that he had made in that fight after being dropped early on. First fight in America. All those things, you know, undisputed championship uh, challenge on the line. All that stuff. So you consider all those things. I was pretty impressed with what he did. Now, he needs to add the jab. He needs to stop squaring up. 
He needs to give better angles. There's plenty of things he can work on, plenty. But there's some tools there, you know. Um, would I go right into a challenge against a Charlo Castaño two-winner? No. I would take at least one more fight. And again, I think Tony Harrison would be a good one to do. Tony Harrison would be a, a, a good matchup for him. All right. Do we have any super chats? We caught up. I do believe we are. Man, the chat is live today, guys. We got a lot of a lot of comments in the chat. Good shit. Make sure you guys are clicking that thumbs up button. Um, as far as preview goes, look, there, there is a uh, there's not a whole lot going on this week. Uh, Tuesday, March 29th, there's a straw weight title fight in Thailand. And Saturday, April 2nd, a couple of women's title fights in Mexico, in England. Savannah Marshall defending her uh, WBO middleweight title against Femke Hermans. This is her third defense of her middleweight belt. That's it. So, yeah, not a whole lot to preview. Let's get to the phone calls. All right, guys? Let's do this thing. All right. Our first call today is 646. You're on the show. What's up? Michael Montel, what's going on? What's up, man? How you doing? You hear me? Yes, sir. Tell him, man. Alexis Lombardo. Next level boxing talk, baby. Oh, what's up, man? How you doing? Listen. I'm good. I'm good. Um, you're talking about Devin Haney. If you could just run me uh, just very, very briefly over what your initial points was, I have to say something about that. You, well, well, you just want me to like reiterate what my points were? About, well, I think he deserves credit. Well, I'll tell you what, what. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, man. Okay, so, no, well, as far as the Devin Haney situation, because, you know, I've been looking at a lot of videos on the YouTubers and stuff, and I'm finding it almost comical how uh, a lot of these people are trying to paint Cambosos as the one who was painted in a corner and forced to take this fight. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The man who had all the choices in the world was Cambosos. Right. As far as Devin Haney's concerned, as far as Devin Haney's concerned, I feel that this is his first live body. I feel that this is his first, uh, 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 what I call a mirror fight. I don't ever give, I don't give credit to uh, fighters that are considered elite or things like that until I see them in a mirror fight, meaning a fight against a Similarly talented, same age group, you know, in prime, in this prime fighter as yourself, and they and, 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 and let me see what you do against that guy. So this is first live body, as far as I'm concerned. It's like Jojo Diaz, the guy that's coming up from 130, and you know Jojo Diaz couldn't punch, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Linares was way over the hill. Let's stop with the Linares thing, and I know everybody wants to get. People credit for uh, for beating Linares except when Lomachenko does it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's funny. And and uh, you know, and, and so this is his first live body. And what I feel is going to happen, uh, maybe you can call me hater, maybe I get to be hater it. I don't know. I think that uh, Combosos, he's tested. We tested his chin. He got up from a seal from a Lopez punch. We tested his chin. We know he comes from good stock in that he was uh, one of the primary um, one of the primary sparring partners of 
Manny Pacquiao for quite a long, for quite a while. And we know that he went up through, uh, he got the Lee Selby fight. I'm not sure how much credit he gets for that. But at least he was fighting in Lee Selby's backyard where he beat him. So he's traveled. Yeah. He's faced the, t- the tougher competition. And now he's sitting at home. And something happens to fighters when they get a belt around their waist. And he's got something to defend. I don't think that Devin Haney, what I see in, in, in Devin Haney's uh, uh, immediate future is a loss against Cambosos that he will then blame on making weight that he stayed too long, right? And then he'll take a, 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 a tuna fight at 140 and then he'll fight Teofimo uh, 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 Lopez. I don't think it's ever going to get to the Lomachenko fight. Mm. If that's not the way it goes, then he loses in the second fight against Cambosa. But again, I don't really even see him getting past the first fight against Cambosa. To tell you the, the, the Lord's honest truth, man. I believe that it was Devin Haney who had no choice but to take this fight. Yeah. Can you imagine the backlash he would have re- received had he walked away from this deal? The other thing is that uh, what I'm getting a real kick out of is... Um, Eddie Hearn being exposed for his ineptitude. Let's 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 go back on what uh, on Eddie Hearn's steps getting to <laughs> getting to Amy getting a fight on the top rank and getting this deal right. So he signs Devin Haney for no apparent reason, paying him a whole lot of money. Some there's rumors that he was already making three million dollars a fight, certainly making millions. Yeah. He 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 signed them. He signed them. To that kind of money, where the guy had no real following because he needed uh, 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 um, Serrano and Hardy to sell out the Garden, the five thousand seats at the Garden. What? And they all, and, and apparently everybody left. He was the walkout bout because everybody left after they the, the women fought, right? So he's gotten no return of that. Then he overbid. Uh, the same thing with Giorgio Diaz. That fight didn't really do too well on the ticket office. Then he uh, he he bids for the for the um, Teofimo Lopez. Oh the, yeah, the, yeah. Teofimo Lopez. Uh, That's right. He did. Okay. So 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 he, he he bids for that fight to come in, right? So he 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 overbids for that fight to get it on his network so that he could get this whole thing. Devin Haney and prop him up and, and then maybe get the winner on his on his uh, 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 on his network, right? And here we are. He gets all this done only to have Devin Haney go and have this fight over on ESPN. You know? Yeah. So I'm just cracking up with, 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 with all this ineptitude. I, if I'm a DAZN, uh, the zone proprietor, you know, I'm having some real issues. <laughs> yeah, man. They, I'm having some real issues with how my money's being spent, you know? They I, made I, I some massive mistakes, that. dude. They made some huge mistakes uh, over their first couple years in the business. Matrim USA grossly overpaid fighters. Dude, I want to say they paid Daniel Jacobs $10 million to fight Canelo Alvarez. Um, they lost right. a shitload of money on Andre and Haney. Of course, they overpaid Golovkin. Uh, they had to, you know, restructure that deal. Um, it just, yeah, man, they, they made some bad choices. But it seems like they're ironing it out now. 
because they're not going to re-sign Andre, well, yeah. and they didn't re-sign Haney. So, right. So it's good money after bad money after you. You know, it's it's just like has no plan. He thinks thinks he can. Oh, goodness, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, he, he it's it's like they um Eddie Hurt thinks he can fix everything with a dollar. You know, and his biggest plan uh, was to come over here with the so-called billion dollars and uh, sign PBC fighters that never came to him, all except for Danny Jacobs. Mm. And you know where that that, that that got him. So I don't know, man. I really don't know, man. But listen, thank you for, for your show. It's really clear. I just want to say one more thing, that there's very few shows, I don't know, Oh, I want to ask you this. What do you think about Michelle Rivera? Michelle Rivera? Hello? Yeah, yeah. You don't even know who that is. No, I don't. The guy, the lightweight, the lightweight that was on the PVC undercard, the lightweight that was on the PVC undercard um, before uh, Joseph Adorno. Oh, yeah. And uh, the guy that's the reincarnation of, of, of uh, in my estimation, of the, the, the reincarnation of... Uh, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I think he's the real, all that, he's the reincarnation of Muhammad Ali. I, I just like the way the kid fights. He looks like like the Cassius Clay version of Muhammad Ali. Kind of like moves. Like he got some real skills, some uh, good I've moves. I've seen him and, before. And I, I like what. I remember yeah, his fight against Ladarius Miller. That's where I know I heard of him before. Okay, but. well, he fought some guy. And this is what I look for. Lukovic. Samson Lukovic is moving this guy in a way that's very top rankish in that he's putting him in, in fights that are credible, in my estimation. Like, he fought this guy who actually knocked him down, who, who, who knocked him down, uh, who had some real power with him. Uh, he hit the floor, he got up, shook it off, and stopped the guy. John Fernandez. So he shows that, that yeah. kind of resolve. He can't write. Exactly. That guy has some legit power. He always had uh, over 20 knockouts. Um, and then the guy that he fought last week was just uh, released from top rank, Joseph Adorno. He can really punch, you know. And um, so he put him, and he had something to fight for because now he's fighting. Uh, Joseph Adorno was fighting for his career. He was undefeated, but he had a couple of draws. So he gets in the ring against Michelle Rivera. He's something to prove to a new contract, going over to the PVC side. You know, he definitely has to get focused. And Michelle Rivera pretty much undressed, you know. So I think that there's a sleeper at the at the lightweight division. I think it's that guy. I really do. Maybe because I'm Dominican. Huh. <laughs> I say, yeah, he's a Dominican guy. <laughs> but uh, but I'm telling you that he's he's, he's honestly uh, I don't I, I I can honestly say he's one of the best Dominicans, which is. Isn't saying much because there hasn't been that many Dominican good Dominican. There's some fighters, good young not, Dominican fighters though right now, man. There's a couple of young. I I was ringside. I saw one fighting this this weekend here in Atlanta. A uh, real young guy. Uh, there's a couple of young Dominican prospects though coming up right now that are real interesting. But yeah, I, I you know you mentioned really? Michelle Rivera's name up front, and I, I it didn't ring a bell. But I've seen this kid fight. I've seen him fight a couple times. And you're right about the Ali lookalike. Yeah, you know. Yeah, man, the dude is. Listen, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, not for nothing, but I'm a type of guy that that I, I have a, like an eye for quality, like different things, you know. And when I saw him, I said, man, like nothing really moved me that much. But 
this right so before the fact that he got knocked down then i made sure to see the next time i saw the guy the, the guy who he was fighting like how credible he was he had power he had a nice little jaw he you know you know he was in there to, to uh, obviously he was there to, as the opponent but he was a credible opponent and this jo- joseph adorno i know for sure uh uh has had a lot of uh had a lot of fans there when top rank signed mm-hmm. him and then he had a couple of jobs he blew weight a couple of times and top rank just got rid of him and his brother they wasn't you know they don't play that game with top rank at all mm-hmm. so um so he had something to get in the ring what i'm saying is that he's got something to get in the ring to prove he, if he was going to be at his best he was going to be in this fight against michelle rivera and he was throwing some haymakers that just didn't connect to michelle because he wasn't there to get hit you should see that fight. You should see the jab that Michelle Rivera uh, uh, threw to, to uh, coming forward. How elusive he was, and how he kept, he was busting him up with a jab. It was it was it was, it was nice, very nice. All right, all right, all right. Cool, man. We'll check it out. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Um, uh, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for taking right, Have a call. good night, man. There he goes. There he goes. Alexis from, I, I think, the Bronx. She's from the Bronx. Uh, super chat pledge from Sam. Thank you so much, Sam. It says, Warrington purposely headbutted Lara and purposely butted Kiko to cause three large cuts. Fight should have been a no contest. Unfair for Kiko. Rig job. Yeah, I got to say with Warrington, dude, some of those headbutts. They don't look accidental. I mean, when it happens over and over and over in multiple fights. Is it accidental anymore? I'm just saying. If I keep getting pulled over for speeding through a a school zone, if there's a school zone where you're supposed to do like 20 because the kids get dropped off there and I'm doing 70, the cops pull me over and I say, oh, I didn't see it was a school zone, sir. And then he pulls me over again and again and again. Is it? Come on. I don't know. I'm with you, Sam. All right, back to the phones we go. <clears throat> All right, 201, you are on TNC. What's up? Mike, what's going on? It's CJ from Jersey. How you doing, man? CJ, good, man. How uh, you doing? I'm a, Good, good. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. It's tough, man. It's Monday, you know, 5 o'clock over here. Yeah. But, um, this, yeah, no, the guy that was on the phone before, I just wanted to uh, say with Michelle Rivera. Absolutely, this kid is good, man. I've been betting him the last few fights. He's a real deal. We're down to doubt. He's a top ten lightweight right now. Uh, guys didn't check him out, you know. Joseph Adorno is no joke at all, you know. And that jab was fire. He's sticking his face all night. He's, you know, he's definitely um, he's young, but he's got a little ways to go. But the reason why I'm calling, I don't really call too much on certain things, but I agree with you ninety percent of the time on the things that you say. You're a boxing head like myself. And this Haney, Cambosis, Lomachenko ordeal, a lot of people got opinions about it. I usually keep my mouth shut. But with this particular fight scenario, I'll tell you right now, Lomachenko should have never been in the picture to begin with. He does not deserve to have this undisputed title fight. This should have been Haney to begin with, and I'll explain this right now. When he fought for the WBC interim, Zaire Abduliev, it was the same time that you mentioned he was fighting Luke Campbell. Listen, Luke Campbell was not even a top 10 WBC fighter at that time. He was coming off a loss a few 
fights before to Jorge Lenard. He didn't beat anybody in the top 10. Of course, anybody would want that belt on the silver platter. He gets sometimes, not all the time, because he's a great fighter. I'm never going to undervalue Lomachenko. But sometimes he gets what's called the Loma, the Loma privilege, right? He gets the Luke Campbell fight. It was for the vacant belt. Wins it, 12 rounds. And then with the bright minds with top rank, Bob Arum and WBC, they petitioned for the franchise belt. Now, this franchise belt, we all know, this is a new belt. It's supposed to be an honorary belt. You can't win it. You can't lose it. It's not supposed to be transferable, right? We know why, at least I know why, for you to do it too. WBC wants to do it because now they can collect two sanctioning fees, right? Mm-hmm. Loma didn't do it to Duck Haney. I, I don't, you know, everyone says that. Loma's not ducking anybody. Loma will fight anybody at any time, any place. And by fighting Teofimo, Bob Arum, win, lose, or draw, he gets to keep all the belts. And I'm with that. That's a unification fight. He was coming off the Comey. The Comey, uh, the Comey win. That's fine with me. But now you can't have it both ways, Mike. Either Devin Haney has the email belt, or he should be the mandatory. So now, after Loma loses, which by the way, Teofimo had to petition the WBC to get the belt because that was never going to be on the line for him because you're not supposed to have that belt be transferred. It hasn't been done before. So now Taylor has all the belts. So who should be next? George Gambosas gets the mandatory? Why isn't Devin Haney? George Gambosas beats Lee Selby. Lee Selby isn't even a fucking lightweight. He's a 126 career pounder. I took Daniel Gustavo uh, Lemos over the weekend because I knew he was going to beat him. It backed up my Kiko bet that I lost. But I knew he was going to beat him because Lee Selby's no good. Gambosas got a split decision win, goes right into the unification bout. Where's Devin Haney? So Devin Haney's sitting there with a belt that he never wanted. He wanted to fight Lomachenko. So now he wants to fight Pale. Pale didn't fight. So now he wants to fight Gambosas. And in the meantime, Haney's going to fight Alfredo Santiago, Gamboa, Jojo Diaz, and Lennart. And listen, I got to be completely clear about this. I'm not a Haney fanboy. I do not like the kid. I don't. I think he's immature, and I don't like his fighting style. And I do not think he's the best at 135. But just because Lomachenko has his name is Loma, doesn't mean he can lose all the belts against Teofimo, beat a C-class fighter in Nakatani, beat Comey, and then raise his hand and say, "I'm Loma. I get the next shot." Even though this kid's been waiting since 2019. You know, I don't. I don't like. I don't like that path. And I know you said sometimes they roll out the red carpet for Haney. But he did the right thing. He was coming off knocking out Antonio Moran. What was Loma doing? Loma was coming off knocking out uh, Anthony Corolla. You know, Loma's best win is at 135. is Lenaris, and I get it. And I took money on Loma. Let me tell you, I was nervous as fuck. If you watched that fight, I had that fight a draw going into the 10th round. Another judge had Loma down. So, you know, that kind of, I saw how vulnerable he could be, and I took tail the next fight. But I don't know. People will really jump on the bandwagon and hit on Haney or they want to really pop up Loma. But to be honest, I think Haney has this WBC belt and it should be for Undisputed because as a boxing fan, what do we all want? We want one champion in, in each weight class. You know, that's it. One champion to say this is the champion and they have the belt. We don't want four different champions in each weight class. I don't know. Tell me what you think. I think you hit on some very fair points. Um, let me just let me just put a couple things out there for you. 
Uh, when Luke Campbell beat Yvonne Mendy, th- that was a WBC uh, final eliminator. So he beat Mendy yeah. for a WBC eliminator, right? And the, the the fight when he fought Jorge Linares, I was ringside for that fight. That was a very, very close fight with Linares. There are some people that felt he won. I, I was cool with Linares edging it, but it was very close. Uh, and then after that, he ended up fighting Mendy for the Haney WBC eliminator. Huh? Oh, Luke Campbell. You're talking about Luke I'm Campbell talking about Luke Campbell right now. I'm talking about Luke Campbell. Yeah, so so yeah, he so he yeah, won an eliminator bout, dude. So he earned and, and again, you, you you could say that he wasn't a top, a top 10 WBC fighter, but he was because he fought in their their eliminator. He was actually the WBC mandatory. So when he fought uh for Lomachenko, I think the, I think they fought for the vacant belt. Um it was actually um uh Luke Campbell, who had won a mandatory position or like an eliminator for that fight. Okay. And then for Cambosos, when Cambosos fought Lee Selby, that was an IBF eliminator. So that's how Cambosos got the fight against uh, Lopez. He he was going to end up fighting Lomachenko, but then Lopez beat Lomachenko. So as far as the. Haney's not the limit? hmm? Cambosos. That's what I'm saying. No, no, I understand. I know. He beat Mickey Bay split decision, then he beat Lee Selby for the IBF eliminator, right? Yeah, so that's how he earned his spot. So, so what I'm saying... He did the same thing. He did the same thing against Abuliab. Right, but but here's... Yeah, dude, listen, man. I don't don't dislike the Haney-Cambosos fight. I like that fight. Um, I, I just... It's it's a little different because again, and this is just the WBC fuckery, man. With the franchise belt, interim belt, mandatory eliminate. There's all these different things, and it, it kind of muddies up the waters. I am good with Haney fighting Cambosos. I think that's a good fight, dude. Like I like it, and it is for the undisputed lightweight championship. So let's see it. I'm good with it. No, yeah, I absolutely agree. And the WBC comes up with their their own rules. Like, you're not supposed to have mandatories for it. But apparently, from what I heard, it's the only other franchise belt what Estrada uh, has. And the I think Canelo had one. Was I think Canelo a had a franchise belt. Well, he doesn't have it. That was at 160, but everybody called, you know, Charlo was still a WBC champion. So there's it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. But then people want to hit on Haney saying that he got emailed about. And I get it. He got emailed about. But then at least give him his opportunity to fight then for the real belt. If everybody else gets these uh, IDF mandatories, like, Tim Bosis didn't deserve that more than Haney. Who's Lee Selby? And Mickey Bay was, like, three years, almost three years in active, 37, you know, put up a great fight against, against Tim Bosis. But if you're going to, like, look me in the face and tell me Loma coming off Nakatani and Comey are better wins than Jojo Diaz and Jorge Linares, let me tell you about Jojo Diaz stepping up to – well. People say he's a 130-pounder. He stepped up. To he's a 126. So, Javier Fortuna was a dark horse. Dark horse of nobody wanted to fight him at 135. Javier Fortuna, forget Jojo Diaz beating Nakatani. Javier Fortuna, the Dominican fighter, he knocks out Nakatani too. So you can't even compare that with Nakatani. And with Comey, you know, Comey, he doesn't lose fights. Um, he doesn't win fights by decision, you know, because of that right hand. You know, he'll knock you out. But if he can't knock you out, he loses them. And I was ringside for the Loma Comey fight. Loma completely outboxed this guy. But, and I said it from the beginning, he was telling me it's for him. Because if you don't have footwork, well, you don't stand a chance against this guy. 
this guy's got the best footwork in boxing with Lomachenko, you know? That's everything to him. It used to be Pacquiao. That's how he has his offense and defense. He's able to pivot, create angles, you know? But now that's Loma. That title goes to Loma. You are nothing without footwork. But still, that Comey is not as good as a win as Jorge Linares. And you can just compare it with how... It Loma depends, dude. I mean, we could, we could Linares. debate that. We no. could debate that all day. I think it's all kind of a wash. I think Loma... Listen... Why Loma was being considered is because Cambosos and the people involved in that deal liked the Loma fight better because it brought in a hell of a lot more money globally. And um, it, it just, Loma is a bigger name, a bigger star. And you got to remember, dude, Loma has a body of work going back to the amateurs. So they, they end up doing the fight with Haney. Haney had to make concessions to get the fight done. It's a great consolation prize. Either way we get it, man. I like this. And listen, if Haney beats Cambosos twice and ends up fighting Lomachenko next year, sign me up for that shit. It's the best thing Haney can do because if Haney beats Lomachenko, now he's got that name on his resume and he's a pound for pound level guy and he's a star at that point. Because right now, dude, Haney doesn't sell more than 4,000, 5,000 tickets. He's Nobody knows who he is. He He needs names. You know what I'm saying? And Joseph Diaz Jr. and a faded Jorge Linares, those aren't the guys. So I think he's making the right moves. And I'm with you, man. You made some good points. You made some good points. No, I hear you. I mean, the problem is at 135, none of these guys are fighting each other. So they're all fighting B-level tier fighters. Nobody has names, you know? Nobody has names on their records at 135. And I know Loma's known for uh, his amateur pedigree. I get it. But that doesn't give you a pass, you know, to get the biggest fights when I feel like Haney's been waiting. So that's just where I'm coming from with it. And I don't think Haney's going to be much longer at 135. Looks like I agree with you there. You know, hopefully not do what what Teo did. Because, you know, Teo waited until it was too late and it showed. We'll see what happens. All right, man. Good shit. All right, brother. Have a great night, man. Yeah, I can see. I mean, he made some great points, guys. Hey, look, you can look at this a couple a couple different angles, right? But when I, when I look at Devin Haney, um, the whole the reason why this thing got really muddy and the reason why it got really unclear and confusing for people was the WBC stepping in with the franchise belt and all that nonsense. Had that not happened there would be a clear order of operations here. But when you start adding belts to the mix, whether it's franchise interim, regular, super, blah, 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 there's a million of gold, silver, diamond. When you start throwing all that in the mix, it just muddies the waters and it makes it confusing. Uh, it's I was really, really pissed off when the WBC did that because there was just no reason to. Again, we could talk about Haney waiting for this opportunity. He fought weeks after Loma. So, so there just was no reason to do it at that time. And I thought they really screwed up something. We should have a completely – right now, George Cambosos, okay, should be the completely undisputed lightweight champion. And Devin Haney should be seen, like, let's say, as the number one contender. Um, if this was like the 1990s, let's say, that's basically how this would be sold right now. That's just how we'd see it. But because the sanctioning bodies have changed the way they do business right now, particularly the BA and the BC – it just it makes everything muddy, man. Um, and it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating at times. All right, let's get to some more of these calls. Uh 317, you're on the show. What's up? 
Yo, what's up, Mike? Jack Alter. What's up, Jack? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. See, that, that that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Remember I had that impression of you? You're like, how you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, though. You just, it's just such a, friend, it's such a friendly gesture. I don't know. I just I just noticed it. But anyway, um, man, you got some patience. That last caller, he said he wasn't a Haney fan, but that motherfucker was a Haney super fan. I mean, <laughs> shit. He made some fair points. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I, look, look it, again, it's it's all how you look at it, dude. It's just the, the WBC franchise thing just fucks everything up. It's just, it's just confusing. Yeah. And uh, one thing I wanted to say is speaking of the Haney Cambosos fight, I think there's one possibility that's definitely not going to happen. There's no way that Haney can knock out Cambosos. Would you agree with that? I won't no say that I won't say there's happened. no way. I mean it's boxing, but I would I would I would guess I would assume this fight goes the distance, yes. I mean, because don't you think Cambosos has a pretty good chin? When he was fighting Tiafimo, I mean at first when I saw him, we never really saw how good his chin was. And like you know, that that's that's the thing against Tiafimo. That's why he did so good. If he didn't have that chin, he would have been knocked out. He got hit a lot in that fight. Yeah, I agree. Great. He's and, got uh, a pretty good chin. He's got good you know, stamina. Think, yeah. And he has, uh, he has, uh, I wouldn't say he has like, in, he, he has power. I mean, these guys, everyone has like power in boxing, except uh, who's that dude who Virgil was going to fight? Oh, McKinson, God. McKinson has no power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got I mean, like five bad. knockouts like, or no, something. No, two. Two out of was 22. Two, <laughs> two knockouts out of 22. Shit. That's bad. Like, Michael, do you think this guy could knock me out? No, no. no. With a clean punch, he couldn't. And I'm not a pro <laughs> boxer. This dude couldn't knock, like, most human beings out. with one. I don't think any human being. I mean, like, like you got to have some power. But, like, that dude, for example, as, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you agree that's a very bad record to have, like, two knockouts? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, some of that style, some of that, it could be a million different things. I don't know enough about McKinson to say for sure. But, I mean, dude is a pro boxer. He's going to knock out most humans on earth, but you know, it's different in the pro boxing game, but I'm with you pro in, in the pro game. Power is a very important thing. You got to have power. Uh, you look at most elite fighters, they have power. Yeah. Yeah. So my, I want to do a quick rating of, uh, some power scales in boxing. You, you'll understand what I mean in a sec, but, um, so Cambosos, I probably say out of 10, his power Oh, no, no, Haney first. I think Haney is probably like a, a 2 out of 10. Would you say so? Hmm. Um, I might three, go three higher than that. I I might go higher than that because he can hit guys with shots I don't see coming. Is 5 average on your scale? Then then I'd give him 5. I'd say, no, I'd say Cambosos is like a 5. I'd say Cambosos is a little slightly over yeah. average because he actually has underrated athleticism and explosiveness. He has a little bit of explosiveness to him, not on the level of like Tiafima Lopez or someone like that. But um, Haney's not very explosive. He's just not. He's not an explosive kind of puncher. Uh, he kind of punches. He kind of reminds me of Bernard Hopkins in that respect. Bernard Hopkins was never an explosive puncher, um, but he's very, very crafty and technically sound. Therefore, if his opponent fucks up, Haney can make them pay. Yeah, 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 I see that. But uh, Cambosos, when I'm looking back at the Tiafimo fight, when he dropped Tiafimo, 
Sorry, I just <laughs> walked up the stairs if I'm breathing a little heavy. Um, <laughs> dude, my stairs are like so fucking long, like it's forever. <laughs> Anyways, um, that shot was perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that shot. Like Tiafimo didn't see it coming. It was a perfect counter overhand right, and it wasn't able to like. So I think Cambosos he doesn't hit that hard, but he has power, so he can hurt Haney. Like I think he can. He'll be punching up at Haney, and Haney's a lot longer than Lopez. Longer arms, taller guy, more defensively minded, uh, probably a little more technically disciplined than Lopez. It's a different fight, man. But he, I agree. I mean, if he catches him, he can hurt him. I agree. Yeah, and then the the Will Smith Chris Rock thing. Sorry, <laughs> I know I'm going from topic to topic. It's 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 fun to just like come on here and talk my shit, and that's part partly my ADHD, you know, going from <laughs> like. But it can't it can't. It came into my mind, uh, dude, that shit was so like, okay, first of all, I know this may sound like someone called me soft for saying this, but dude, that's, I think it was real partially because of the censoring. And I think he, Wilson knew he couldn't like actually slap him hard or like punch him. So it was like a weak slap and Chris Rock, like should have expected it. Cause I mean, the dude's not coming on stage, like to hug you or something, you know, mm-hmm. but the re because of the censoring of the audio made me think that it was real. And the fact that he laughed at the joke and then uh, the wife like didn't look happy. I think he only did it just to like try to defend her mm-hmm. to, to like prove to her he can defend her or whatever. But dude, that shit's so on for Chris Rock handled that shit like a pro. I mean, dude, it would have yeah. been so awkward if that was like any other person up there. I mean, what do you say after that? I mean, like Chris Rock handled it so very well. well. Very well, uh, because he could have got off and it could have got real ugly, but he just kind of laughed it off and that was it. Um, I think here's the thing, though, dude. Will has been seen as a simp and he's been getting a lot of shit on like social media for the last year or so because he cucks out Jada, right? He has no issues with dudes smashing his wife. So I think this was a power play by Will to try to look like an alpha male. But he got up there and slapped a dude who's like 5'4", a, a little, tiny little dude that's kind of seen as a beta male. You know, Chris Rock is, is not an alpha male. So I think Will kind of even looks more like a simp now. This didn't help Will at all. No, my, my, no but uh, he said the funniest shit. He's like, man, this is the best night in the history of television. No, just the way he handled it. Because if some yeah. dude slapped me, like, I don't know how I would react in front of all those people. First of all, I'd be embarrassed and probably want to fight the dude. But, I, I, like, I don't know how I would react in that situation. But, uh, no, Will Smith, there's so many funny, like, uh, funny, like, memes and shit after that. It's like, wait, so you let people, like, fuck your wife, but when someone makes yes. like, joke, that's what Dude, that's the what memes have been line, fucking hilarious. Like, the memes have been hilarious. <laughs> I feel for Will. Everybody hates Chris. <laughs> Everybody hates Chris. Yes, yeah. Hey, dude, you want to know something crazy? You want to know something crazy? So, um, Everybody Hates Chris, do you ever watch that show? No, no, I remember it, though, but yeah, I remember it. So the mom in that show, the mom who played, like, uh, dude, Layman used to, Layman Brewster used to, like, uh, be married to her. Oh, okay. Did not know that. little trivia for everybody. little trivia. It would have been more interesting if you like, uh, like knew the show. But yeah, I was like, wait, what the fuck? That's that's actually like crazy. But uh, nah, dude, the George Campbell. Yeah, I'll 
uh, back to the George Cambosos Haney fight, dude. Haney, I know, like I called him Chinny, and someone responded like saying, "You got hurt by Linares once. That doesn't mean he's Chinny." No, dude, it's not just that. Like he got buzzed by JoJo a couple times, and it seems that if this dude gets touched, he's gonna get like hurt. Like if he gets touched with a clean shot, like he does seem Chinny. Would you agree with me there? I I don't know, dude. I, like they could be the weight cut. I know for a fact that Devin Haney did not make weight for one of his title fights and it was kind of glanced over, but um, he, he has had trouble making that weight at times. Maybe that's all it is. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily call him chinny at this point. He has been tagged though. It buzzed a couple of times. It's true. Yeah. Um, well, the thing is like one thirty five is such a division so i'm curious to see how ryan does like in his comeback fight but honestly dude i think lomachenko is still the best at 135 like i honestly do like, i, I just i see a female but that was this thing in ukraine i just don't know how that's going to affect him dude um because he's not in the gym right now um i don't know this layoff i don't know what it might he might not look the same after this yeah, that's, that's definitely a fair play. And one more thing I wanted to, excuse me, comment on was uh, your Dennis Ugas and Errol Spence, bro. I'm picking Ugas for the for the upset. All right, you're on the record. You've called a couple of them spot on, you so you're on the record there. I look, Ugas has a chance. He's got think? a real chance, but we'll see. I felt he beat Sean Porter better than Errol Spence did. Hmm. I don't know. I have to think about that. <clears throat> I'd have to think about that. You're like, no, no, no. Dude, that fight, Porter clearly lost that one. Against Ugas, he clearly lost that one. I yeah. thought that was such bullshit. I thought he clearly lost to Spence, yeah. though, too. But No, no, no. Yeah, he definitely did. But I feel like Kell Brook, like, excluding Crawford, I felt Kell Brook beat Porter like, better than all of them. But that's, that's beside the point. Anyways, Mike, uh, I'm going to get some Shake Shack, man. Uh, this is, like my <laughs> second time having a Shake Shack. All right, get your what? Shake Shack, man. We got we got a Shake Shack promo here at, at TNC. All right, all right, Jack. Yes, Enjoy, sir. man. You know, got to get the Shake Shack. All right, man. You have a good night. All right, peace. Man, we got some uh, some Will Smith uh, comments here in the chat. You guys are fucking cracking me up, dude. Um, I'm not even going to repeat some of these, man. But uh, look, I, yeah, I didn't realize that uh, Toreen, I got Toreen says Will Smith is the type to cry after sex. <laughs> Uh, he cries after sex because he, he's ashamed of his toxic masculinity, right? <clears throat> but uh, I, I didn't realize that Will Smith cried later on. Somebody told me that later, too. Because, again, I didn't watch the damn show. I had no idea what was going on. But um, I saw later on he cried and, like, apologized. He just seems to be, like, all over the place, Will. Uh, so I don't know if there's some behavioral things going on there. Um, <laughs> Aaron says Jada looks 75. Yeah, well, I will say this, Jada in her prime, um, Jason's lyric, okay, there's there's a love scene between Jada and uh, my man, uh, damn it, I actually did a show with him once, uh, I can't think of his name right now, uh, they do a, like a love scene together, and you see Jada's, you see Jada's ass, her body, I'm saying, in her prime, Jada was nice, I'm just going to say, petite, nice, but um, well, well built, but um, She's crazy, crazy, dude. 
people in Hollywood talk, and there's a lot of stuff I've heard about Jada. I'm not going to talk about it here, but Will, um, there, there's some benefits to, to being married to a girl like Jada, but there's also a lot of, there's a lot of cons. There's more cons than pros. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Let's get to this next call. Um, <laughs> 570, you're on the show. What's up? Hey, Mike. Uh, I got to say, the, the caller two callers ago, with all due respect, you know, he had some points, but he's he, he had a lot of misinformation. And I just want to go over that really quick. First of all, he said Loma hasn't, he's fought the worst competition than Haney. That's not true because Haney fought Linares. He was, now, now I, I make the bets, so I know the odds. Haney was an, anywhere between 11 to 1 and 18 to 1 favorite over Jorge Linares, who was, who was close to being shot. And you saw that he was knocked out in his last fight against Abdullayev right. in Russia. Right. Okay. Then he fought Jojo Diaz, a guy moving up from like 126, 130. And he was anywhere between a seven to one and 10 to one favorite that night. Okay. I know. Cause I bet the fight. Loma, on the other hand, when he fought Komei was four to one. He was a four to one favorite. I thought that was a low line. It scared me. I thought maybe Loma was going to lose. Cause I thought that would, I thought he was the better fighter, but Vegas thought it was a, a close fight. Then Loma was a six to one favorite over Nakatani. Who that guy said wasn't a good fighter. He's a C level fighter. That's not true. How could he be a C level fighter and take Teotimo Lopez, a prime Lopez, ten rounds or twelve rounds or whatever? That's a good point. And uh, and then knock out the Puerto Rican fighter who went to jail. Who was Verdejo. The one yeah, that's right. Him. He did knock him out. Verdejo. Yeah, I would not call Nakatani a C level fighter. I call him a B-level fighter. No. That's fair. He, but. Nakatani and Komei would be even up with the Haney. That's that's the truth. Haney's had nothing but a, a, a golden road. I, I I don't. He called himself not a Haney lover, but I thought it was his publicist, to be honest. And, and this is something we see a lot, Mike, online and everywhere you go. This misinformation with Devin Haney. And I want to I want to speak on the record and give you the quote from uh, Suleiman himself explaining the situation with the, the franchise and the email belt that we all know. And this is his quote. He says, and I quote, the other one, lightweight, as I explained it yesterday, it was very complicated three years ago. Mikey Garcia keeping the title frozen for a year when he moved up. We ordered several series of fights. Some didn't happen. Some did happen. We ended with an interim championship and then Lomachenko requests. Now, let me say, Lomachenko was WBA and WBO champion. Request to fight for the vacant title, which is a great honor. We granted that. He defeated Campbell. Then he requested to be franchised in order to go in and unify the division. We accepted that. He fought Lopez. And Lopez requested to be franchised if he defeated Lomachenko. That's the first change in the rule we, that we had. That comes straight from Suleiman, the WBC president, who did call um, the winner of the Teofimo Cambosis fight the undisputed champion. He said that Haney is the WBC pride champion. Quote, that's what he said. Okay? So when people get mad and say, Haney, you know, he's an email champion, blah, 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 and everyone's hating on him. No, that's just because the WBC president called him as that. Okay, so let's get off this narrative that Haney's this victim. 
He's not. He's he's had the golden road. Yeah, who, like who I, had he beaten to even? I, I, I agree Go with ahead. what you're saying, Thad, because it, it, the thing is, there are people on Twitter, again, I don't know if you've caught the beginning of the show, like Adam Abramovitz, who, who kind of gets protective of certain fighters. Um, a lot of guys kind of look at Haney as this victim. Like, he wanted the Lomachenko fight. He didn't get it. Well, everybody in the industry knew that Lomachenko yeah. was going to fight Tiafima Lopez. Like that's, right. And people are like, well, he's been waiting for so long. No, he hasn't. He won an interim belt in, I think, 2019. No. And then um, there was a global pandemic in 2020, and uh, uh, Cambosos right. was the mandatory for Tiafima Lopez, who was the champion at that the point. Idea. So, <clears throat> like, yeah, you know. we, yeah, we, and then, and then um, saying that Lomachenko gets all these favors. Well, no, he didn't get a rematch versus Cam, uh, Tiafimo. That's an, 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 uh, like a, a unified champion not getting an immediate rematch these days is unheard of. Yet he gave up that concession. He gave extra money to fight Teal. That's how badly he wanted to fight. He made concessions. It's it's terrible that, that these people have the wrong ideas about Lomachenko because of the darn LDBC and their views. Mm. Okay, it's poison. It's and I have to take this opportunity. I wanted to have a nice call today and talk about other things, but but that call really bothered me because I see it too much. It's starting to affect other people in the industry and it's blowing everything up. To be quite honest, and. And I, and I hear a lot of it, and it makes no sense to me. And I will say this about Haney. Um, he tried to get more money. He was told, hey, you're lucky to get what you're getting. And this has come from Keith Ioli, I think. Um, I think I sent you the tweet over the, uh, the Facebook Messenger, if you want to go check. Okay. It's his quote, and he said, Haney was lucky to get what he got in those last five fights or, or four fights with uh, DAZN.' He was overpaid. He was getting over a million dollars fighting nobody's. He's one of the more okay. overpaid fighters yeah. in the sport. So yeah. And Andrade, and that's another story for another day with Hearn. Boy, he he took a, a harder slap than uh, Chris Rock this weekend, to be yeah, quite honest, because he had everything. His America, his intro to America got blown up in his face. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with the powers that be that didn't want him sticking his nose in American business. To be oh, honest. yeah. But again, that's a story for another day. Yeah. And and they maneuvered him out of the picture real quick. So mm-hmm. you know, PBC and Top Rank really did a number on him. But um, but with Haney, I mean, this guy should be thanking his lucky star. He's getting two fights in Australia. And I and I will say this, Haney, it's a it's a fifty fifty fight. But people think that they're going to try to rob him in Australia. No, they're not. Those judges are coming from America. Yes. And Haney's the money fighter right now. They got a lot of money invested in Haney. Don't yes. be don't be shocked if top rank has these judges cooked in the favor of Haney because that's the guy they want to have, you know, the the power behind because they can maneuver him up to 140 after that fight and have him fight Josh Taylor or get one of those belts up there. Make no mistake about it, Haney will never fight Lomachenko. I knew for a fact he he didn't want that fight earlier. He knew he could say he wanted the fight because he knew Lomachenko was going to fight Teofimo Lopez. Okay. And and these four kings they call at lightweight, Tank Davis and Garcia and Tio and this guy Haney. Tio is the only real one out of the group, and he's he's a you know he he's a Fruit Loop now. We see that he has you know some issues, but these guys never wanted to fight each other. Mm-hmm. They're the four queens. I'm sorry, they're the four queens, and they're, and they're, they're hype jobs. All of them, all four of them. It's so far, and if anyone yeah. has a problem with it, oh yeah. And and the proof's in the pudding. Because who have they who have they fought? Nobody. 
Okay, so this is going to keep keep going on. But Haney's not going to stick around a lightweight. I don't even know if he's going to be making weight down in Australia if they're having VADA testing. I know that guy comes in the ring about 160 pounds on fight night. That's crazy. That's 25. He's putting on 25 pounds. And to do that, you have, and, and this used to be my business in college. I was a personal trainer certified, okay? And then I had a, um, a hormonal business, okay? Uh, five, 10 years ago, I was a partner with, okay? HGH and everything, every medicine you want to know, I, I knew. And there's things that people don't even know about today that could go undetected in order to, um, it's interesting, like if you put salt on a steak it, um, and you want to cook it, it keeps the juices inside. The juices don't run out. It's the same thing with these drugs. You could drain weight. You could drain like a sponge. You could squeeze the sponge, make your weight, and then all of a sudden, your muscles reabsorb the water. There's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of medicines out there that do that. That's the, if you can make the comparison, if you're a home chef, you'll know what I'm talking about. Hmm. But think of it like a sponge. Your muscles now are like a sponge. You squeeze them, all the water comes out. And then all of a sudden, boom. You could absorb that water right back and you're right where you need to be. So a lot of these guys, you know, they got science on their, on their side and not making any accusations, but for a guy that size and watch him train, he's about a buck 55, a buck 60 in the, in the gym, hitting the bags with, with the upper body muscles. That's all muscle weight. It's not water weight. Okay. So people need to really take a good, good, hard look at that. So we're going to see how Vada is going to do their testing for this fight. I, I think that um, it, it, my opinion on the fight is if Cambosos presses Haney, Haney likes to get off to a fast start and he fades late because of the weight. If he forces him to fight early, he's going to win the fight. But you're going to you take a chance of running into something. That's mm-hmm. the only issue. Now Cambosos, he's fighting at home. He's going to have a lot of distractions. So a lot of people think it's a home field. It's not. It's going to work against them. So it's in my view, it's a 50-50 fight. And I, I think Haney, he's, he's one of three fighters from the past. He's either at the low end, Eddie Hobson. At the medium spectrum, he's Michael Grant, the heavyweight. Or at the high end, he's Johnny Bumpfus. Hmm. I think we're going to find out which one of them he is. But I, but even with he's Johnny Bumpus, he's not going to be the fighter everyone thinks he's going to be. Because Bumpus was taken out by Mad Dog Hatcher, I believe it was. Uh, I was watching as a kid. It was uh, ABC, you know, um, prime time. Mm-hmm. I think that's who he lost to. But he was heavily favored. You know, he was one of those tall, rangy fighters, like the box. You know, he had a lot of hype behind him. Lou, Lou Duva's guy, I believe. And um, you know, he got upset. And we all know the story of Michael Grant. And he was exposed by Andrew Galata. He should never have gotten out of that fight. If Galata had any kind of mental stability, he would have stopped him. And then we saw Michael Grant get taken out by Lewis and then big time a client in, in, in 10 seconds after that. And then we saw with Eddie Hobson when he moved up and he had all that hype behind him real fast, real slick guy. Tracy Harris Patterson planted him and, and ended his career. So that's my opinion on Haney. We'll see what happens. He's a two-to-one favorite, so I will say that. But, you know, take it for what it's worth. Do you have anything to add there, Mike? Uh, you said it all, you know, man. I um, my chest. <clears throat> yeah, I got to think about that fight. I, early on, I favor Haney by decision, but I got to think about it. But you were on the record. 
Right. And, um, you know, everything you said related to the Lomachenko, Haney, Cambosos, Lopez situation was spot on. I agree with you on that. I just hate when the facts are mixed up, Mike, and it nothing against anybody. None, you know, all your callers are great. All your, you know, people that pay attention to the show, I just have to clear that up. And, uh, you just don't know sometimes where people are coming from and they may just have the wrong info, but I want to clear that up. And one more thing before I leave you with, just saw pictures of Gennady Golovkin. He's in great, fantastic shape. I don't believe a 40 year old is able to look that way. He, he seems like he added muscle mass. Yeah. He's very cut. Um, so <laughs> I don't have any <laughs> idea how that could be, but um, maybe it's just genetics and all, and I had good genes, but you know, at 40, I was starting to lose a little bit of that, that cutness, but um, he looks in fantastic shape. But going to Japan against a guy like Murata, who's a money guy, top rank, they said on record, hey, if, if uh, Murata wins, we want that Canelo fight. Hmm. I don't know. Gennady better knock him out. He better stop him. He better stop him early. Because hmm. the longer this fight goes, you know, not only if Gennady wins, that fight might take it all out of him. He might, he might use up the tank to get rid of Murata and have nothing left. Because like they say, you have one good fight left, every great all-time. And I think Golovkin is an all-time great champion. Everybody, they all have one good fight left. We'll see if he already had that good fight left. But uh, at 40 years old, he might, he'll, be, he'll become the first unified, uh, well, yeah, the first middleweight to unify titles at 40. And, um, that's in history, Mike, hmm. I know, I know the, uh, three title, four title era hasn't been around, you know, maybe 40 years, 42 years, but it'll be the first time that's happened. Hopkins never unified after 40 at middleweight. He was, he was done after the Taylor, Taylor losses. Yeah. There hasn't been a middleweight to unify belts at the, that age. And at a lighter weight, that says a lot. These aren't heavyweights. Heavyweights right. are a completely different animal. When, when you're when you're at advanced age so it's gonna be a tough fight he's a five to one favorite right now and the odds are dropping he was he was originally seven to one and then yeah they're gonna to get one. closer so than five to one time, I, they're gonna get closer as we get closer to the yeah. fight yeah it's gonna be really interesting the next week so hopefully i could get a call in either on friday or the next friday or monday to talk about that fight okay yeah so uh um, we'll do it so that so that's my call mike all right. Thanks a lot, Dad. All right. Well, you have a good one now. You too, man. Thank you. All right. We got, uh, we only got about 13 minutes left before we hit the two hour mark. We're going to go to last call of the day. It is Nacho. Nacho, what's up, man? You got about 12 minutes to work with, brother. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to need the whole 12 minutes, but yeah. All right, Mike, here it goes. I just kind of wanted to touch on a, a few things. Um, Everybody's crapping all over Burchell. I mean, he looked awful this weekend. He did get beat up uh, pretty easily by uh, Nakatila. Uh, my only question to you, Mike, because no one's really been able to answer, could it have been the layoff and the fact that he tried to incorporate a new trainer in the mix instead of taking a couple of fights prior to this one to get acclimated to the trainer? Could that have been a factor as to, you know, why he looked as bad as he did because honestly taking over a year off and putting a new trainer in 
I mean, I don't know too many guys that can do that and then be successful at it. So yeah. I'm just wondering if that didn't play a factor in in his loss uh, over the weekend. I mean, he he does look like he's lost something for sure. He's not going to be the same guy he was prior to the Valdez fight. But I'm just wondering if if he can't come back from this as far as like retool by like taking on some lower level guys just to get used to his new trainer, and then eventually make the step back up to you know fighting a contender at 35. What do you think, Mike? I, I just think he's done at the elite level. I think you make great points, and all those things are factors. I think it was the layoff, the new trainer, the move up in weight, the age, the wear and tear, coming off um, a beating, mm-hmm. uh, a career-changing beating. Um, he's been in some wars, man. He's been in some tough fights. I just I don't think he's going to be that top-level guy anymore. He's just not on that level. Doesn't mean he still can't beat a lot of good fighters. He can, but... Mm-hmm. Why, why continue fighting at this point unless he needs the money? Um, maybe he can try to wiggle himself into one more title opportunity. But, dude, look at the guys who have titles at 135 right now. He get crushed. Let's be honest. He get crushed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely possible. But, yeah, just kind of curious to hear your thoughts on that. Um, and then just uh, with the other fights happening, uh, Tim Zhu looked – pretty damn good this weekend um i agree mike when i heard that score of 114 113 i was like oh like this is not good yeah. like i just thought at that point they were really going to try to give uh tim the shaft but luckily you know the other two judges gave it to him and he ended up winning but i agree there is no way in hell you could give uh Gachet more than three rounds at most mm-hmm. i thought uh tim dominated that fight pretty much uh, from round four to the end, like he dominated that fight. To me, the other, the first four rounds is where you kind of could have scored a couple of them for Gachet, maybe three. But other than that, yeah, there's no way you could have scored anything past round uh, four for him. I thought Zoo dominated that fight. I definitely would like to see um, his trainers kind of incorporate some more either upper body or, or head movement because he walked right into that right hand that he got hit with in the first round. Mm -hmm. And you could see he was stunned and you could see he was hurt Mm -hmm. from it. So I'd like to see them kind of incorporate that into his, you know, into his arsenal, because if not, guys are just going to start trying to line him up for that right hand down the middle. If he's not going to move his head or if he's not going to, you know, uh, use his jab to kind of, you know, kind of, you know, be use his offense to be his defense. If he's not going to do that, He's just going to be a sitting duck for that right hand to, uh, with someone who, who has even more power than uh, a Terrell Gachet. Um, I agree. I think Tony Harrison would be like a logical next fight because he's a former world champion and a guy who's been tested, and he's got something left, and I think he would definitely test uh, Tim Zhu for sure. So I'd like to see that fight uh, happen for sure. Um, and then the other guy that uh, was talking about Rivera, Rivera's a decent fighter, Mike, but I, I don't know. There's just something missing with that kid. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's maybe because he's trying too hard to be like Muhammad Ali, but there's just something that's not there that's, that can make him like a superstar. Like, he seems like he could be a very good fighter. Mm-hmm. I'm just not convinced he can be like an elite fighter at 135. But, you know, he did what he had to do this weekend. He won, but I'm just not sure about him. I I think I still need to see him fight a few more times before I'm truly convinced if he's a lead or not. And then um, 
with the uh, Kiko Martinez Josh Warrington fight, like you said, Mike, the 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 not the judges, sorry, the ref let Warrington get away with murder. Not yeah. only was he headbutting the hell out of Kiko, he was also using that right shoulder like a forearm shiver like more than a few times. And the ju- and the ref actually even warned him a couple of times not to do that shit. And he still kept doing it. So that whole fight, like Warrington was allowed to get away with bloody murder. And, you know, he was able to cut up Kiko and, and hurt him. And then, you know, the stoppage I thought was premature. I didn't think Warrington landed anything that was significant enough to have stopped the fight. But unfortunately, because he's in England, Kiko wasn't going to get the benefit of a doubt. So that's why Warrington won. Although I do find it interesting, though, that Warrington's out here posting that he got his jaw busted, which I thought was a little bit of poetic justice considering the headbutts and the shoulder shivers he was giving Martinez all night, you know. So it'll be interesting to see how long he's out. And then I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Lee Wood if that ends up being the next fight for sure because I think Wood can beat Warrington. I just didn't see anything that legitimately impressed me as far as his performance on Saturday. He was okay, but he I don't think he can beat Lee Wood. I think Lee Wood would probably stop him if they meet up. And um and uh what else? Oh and then with uh, just last thing with uh the whole um Nakatila thing, Mike, he beat I mean obviously a lot of people are saying he beat a, a faded Burchell. Do you think he can become a player at thirty five with what he just did this past weekend? Or does he need to win a couple more fights before he'll be convinced? I think I think he could become a player for sure, but can he hang with the elite? I don't know. I don't know. But um, I definitely think he's an underrated, undervalued fighter in the minds of a lot of fans. I think that he definitely can be in the mix, but not you know an elite level mm-hmm. guy, but in the mix. Okay. All right. All right, Mike. Well, that's my call. Uh, I'll just uh, you know. I'll tune in next time. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, man. Have a All good right, nacho. Yeah, man. All right. There he goes, guys. Oh, loaded show today, man. We got uh, almost two hours in the books tonight. So um, we let the calls go a little long tonight because I know you guys had some strong opinions. So we had some opinions kind of all over the map. And that's the thing, man. We don't have to agree 100% on 100% of things. But... Um, you know, I, I thought that we had some interesting viewpoints tonight. So anyway, guys, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for uh, tuning in. And uh, I know I keep promising you a Friday wrap-up. It keeps it keeps not happening. But I think this Friday we will be able to get one in. All right? Uh, either way, TNC will be back next Monday for show. Next Monday is episode 308. All right, guys. Have a great one. And we'll talk soon. Peace. <laughs>